Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After an outstanding performance against Minnesota to close out the first half, the Bears kick off the second half on the road in Tampa, hoping to catch Winston and the Bucks at the right time and get their third win of the season. Did the buy come at a bad time, or was it just what the doctor ordered? Sandra Phillips from SB Nation, Bucks Nation, joins us for the Week 10 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. That is a question we are all looking to have answered on Sunday when our beloved take on the Bucks down in Tampa Bay. Did the buy come at a bad time or was it just what the doctor ordered? That is what we will definitely find out on Sunday. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 10 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review and back to business after our short uh, sabbatical. And what I mean by that question is, and and, it, and it's it, it's there are multiple ways to answer it. You know, was it a bad time for the Bears to go on a bye based on the fact that they actually showed up and played an awesome football game on Monday and then had to go on a two-week break? Yes, it absolutely did. Or was it just what the doctor ordered? Well, considering the fact that I heard that Eddie Royal, Eddie Goldman, uh, you know, all these other guys, uh, Marquise Wilson was practicing. Um, was it just what the doctor ordered? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it looks like coming into this game on Sunday will be as healthy as we've ever been in 2016 uh, coming into this game. So that could be a great thing. That, you know, we're as close to full strength as a football team as we've been all season. I mean, just from, you know, injuries on the offensive line and so, you know, just, you know, never really having a full strength. This these are the 22 guys that we want to go to battle with uh, roster this year. This might be as close as we're going to come uh, to being 100 percent healthy as a uh, football team going into this thing. So, uh you know, like I said, it's as far as momentum and everything. No, the the buy came at a terrible time for the Bears because I would have loved to seen this team line up against the Bucks uh, this past Sunday, as opposed to waiting fourteen more days, thirteen more days, whatever it was, uh, to take the field against these guys. So, um, you know, but like I said, seeing names like Eddie Goldman and Eddie Royal, uh, you know. Uh, Sitting and Long both healthy and practicing this week. Uh, Marquise Wilson is. Um, if you guys remember how they did Kevin White last year, now he's in that 21-day bubble where they decide if they're going to activate him onto the roster or if they're going to, uh, you know, switch him over to IR and have him miss the entire season. Marquise Wilson started that 21-day bubble this week, so the Bears still have some time to make a decision on him. You know, I guess maybe this this one game 
will decide whether or not we take a stab and, and try to go get or, or try to bring Marquise Wilson uh, back into the fold. You know, uh, you know, I, I would I would actually keep a, a good eye on someone like um, Cameron Meredith this week, who has basically been our replacement for Kevin White. Can he keep up the performances that he had when he was Hoyer's favorite target? He didn't get much of a look when uh, uh, from Jay uh, on Monday. That was more the Alshon Jeffrey show again. But, um, you know, can Cameron Meredith step up and be a contributor? Or will the Bears look to bring back somebody else that uh, that Cutler is familiar with and has uh, somewhat of a decent rapport with in, in Marquise Wilson and let him finish out the second half of the uh, the season? So one person that I would keep a, per- a close eye on this week would be Cameron, uh, would be Cameron Meredith. Is he getting himself out there? Is he getting himself noticed by Jay so that he can make an impact? And, you know, if he's not existent on the uh, stat sheet come Monday morning, then maybe the Bears do go forward and bring Marquise Wilson back to uh, kind of help fill that void and take some attention off of Alshon Jeffrey now that he's being seen once again uh, by a Bears quarterback because he was virtually ignored uh, the whole time that uh, Brian Hoyer uh, was the quarterback so you know that probably had a lot to do with with Hoyer being the backup and him having more of a rapport with Meredith being also another backup receiver and and so on and so forth but uh, you know when you get on the field you don't ignore Alshon Jeffrey you just don't do that especially when he's wide open down the sideline in a football game you should have won in the first place so just saying um, anyway we're going to have uh, Sander Phillips on from Bucks Nation on SB Nation been on the show several times uh, and as you'll hear me mention at the end of the interview uh, the Bears play the NFC South next year so we're going to have Sander Phillips back in 2017, whether we like it or not. So, um, you know, he's going to be a constant guest on the show. And next year we get to break in some uh, some new contacts with the um, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints. We haven't talked to anybody uh, from those divisions yet. And the AFC East. Is the AFC East? No, uh, the AFC North. I'm sorry, the AFC North. So the Bengals, the Steelers the uh, Browns and the Ravens so a bunch of new friends we got coming on to the show next year and then I think we start finally rotating back to uh, some people that we've seen no we still got the AFCs we haven't talked to anybody from them yet so anywho interesting week ahead you know because the big question uh, you hear Sander and I talk about it towards the end of the uh, interview uh, when I asked Sander for his outlook on the second half of the season just for the Bucks or uh, or anything he's like you know I guess it all depends on how this first game goes because, and that all depends on which Bears team shows up uh, on Sunday. Will it be the team that went 1-6 and six and was lucky to win that one game, or will it be that team that uh, took Minnesota to the woodshed on national television just before their bye week? I mean, I think that's something that all Bear fans want to know because that's the question that I've asked several times over these last 13 days was, you know, was that the start of something? Was that the Bears – um, you know, clicking for a change, or was it our one stellar, you know, Green Bay of 2015 performance where, you know, we won a football game that nobody gave us a snowball's chance in hell of winning, especially against a team like Minnesota who had just suffered their first loss uh, after the bye and, uh, you know, was basically looking for a revenge and was coming into the perfect situation against a division opponent that was suffering. You know, a team that just wasn't uh, 
wasn't playing football well. I mean, it was this this was the perfect get back game for Minnesota, and the Bears just shoved it right back in their face and made them look ridiculous. And then to double down on the embarrassment, Minnesota loses in overtime to Detroit on Sunday. So they're on a three game skid now. Where they were, they were just flat out coasting in the division after a five and zero start. Now. They sit at 5-3, and three, and Green Bay, despite losing this past Sunday at 4-4, four and four, is still only a game behind. Just only a game behind. And, um, you know, the, uh, the Lions, who were 1-3 after the Bears beat them week number four, are, f- I think, 5-4? and four? I don't think they've had their bye yet. So maybe they're 5-4, five, five and four, so they're half a game behind uh, Minnesota. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Because they've got one more loss than Minnesota does. You know, it's it's. It's still up for grabs, man. It's still up for for grabs. So I mean, we'll uh, we'll have to wait to, and see how this division um, churns itself out. Because right now, by just by how teams are playing right now at the halfway mark, Detroit looks like they're the favorite to win the division because Minnesota can't tr- can't, tr- can't stop tripping over themselves, and Green Bay is a win here, lose there. You know, they're 4-4. Four and four. They're split right down the middle uh, after eight weeks. So it's, uh, you know, they're a team that can't quite figure out who they want to be yet uh, this season. And I just read for the first time yesterday, Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat all of a sudden. So, I mean, things could be a-changing there in Green Bay. And uh, that wish that Jeremy Reisman and I had uh, when we were uh, talking about the, it was either previewing the season or week four, when we had him on the show about how we would both like to see a healthy Packers team not make the playoffs, you know, for that to not be an excuse um, for Green Bay not to make, well, somebody, we had injuries, we had this, that, uh, and the other, and like, no, you guys just suck this year. It's possible. It happens. Even under the great Brett Favre, you had lean years. So this is, this is uh, you know, what's his name? It's Rogers' first uh, lean season. So anyway, um, it's going to be an interesting week. You know, we're either setting ourselves up um, for a huge disappointment or, you know, we're, we're going to be very happy after this. We'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, on Sunday. Uh, one thing that I did notice while I was talking to Sander, I hadn't quite noticed it before. Uh, the Bucks are three and five coming into this game. They've won all three of their games on the road. They're 0 and four at home this year including the last two weeks against Oakland and um, Atlanta, the Thursday night game. So they're coming off somewhat of a little bit of a a by themselves, and they've got some injury questions uh, coming into this thing. 
Winston went out with an ankle slash knee injury uh, on Thursday night. Will he be ready to go? Um, Doug Martin started practicing this week. He's been out for a while. Will he play on Sunday? Jaquiz Rogers, a former Bear, um, who's been performing very well for them in relief duty, who was, I think, maybe their third or fourth starting running back this year. Um, he's had some injury problems. Will he play on Sunday? So on and so forth. So one of the places they haven't had injury concerns is on their offensive line. That's why they've been able to run the ball. However, this is a team that has trouble protecting its quarterback. So that's something that the Bears, whose pass rush is kind of coming to life, might be able to take advantage of. I mean, Leonard Floyd, three sacks over the last two games, getting after Bradford. Um, you know, got after uh, Rodgers and got the sack fumble touchdown uh, on the Thursday night game. Maybe this is a game where he can really come out. This could be the, you know, that reemergence game for Pennell McPhee. I mean, talk about a guy who's who's still kind of pressing that note saying he wants the team basically to come in pissed off. He wants them to play angry. He wants them to play with attitude. And I absolutely love hearing one of our guys talk like that. You know, that's exactly the kind of attitude that a Bears defensive player needs, especially a pass rusher. Just go out there angry and be pissed off until you reach the quarterback. You get to the quarterback, you take it out on him, the whistle blows, you walk back to the huddle. When you get back in your stance, you're pissed off again. Go back there and get him again. You know, that's the kind of thing that we want to hear uh, from our players. And that's a big reason why Pernell McPhee is a captain on the defensive side uh, of the football. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing what the Bears are going to churn out for us uh, on Sunday. So we'll talk about expectations and what I think is going to happen uh, on Sunday after our little chat with Sander Phillips. So what do we go ahead and dive into that? Uh, Sander, all the way from the Netherlands, joining us to preview week number 10 between the Bears and the Bucks. And here with us once again to help preview this Week 10 matchup between the Bears and the Bucks, our good friend from Bucks Nation on SB Nation, Sander Phillips. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Sander, going into this season, I think you and I both had a, a little bit more optimism for our teams and where they would be at this point when we were meeting up for this for this Week 10 game. Um, the Bucks are sitting at 3-5, and five, the Bears are 2-6, and six, and... Um, a lot of people would say that that's deserved for both teams. They're not playing very well. But, I mean, both teams have been ravaged by injuries, but for the most part not playing well enough to have uh, a better record. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 3-5 um, and five is definitely a, a fair representation of, of the Bucks' record at least. Uh, they've had some injury issues, but um, they really haven't lost any games. They uh, They should have won, and they... They've won the games they should have. So, I, yeah, you can't really complain about the current standings as disappointing as they are. So let me ask you real quick. I just took a glance at the schedule. So the first eight games of the season, what do the Bucks have against winning football games in Tampa Bay? Um, I don't know. The Bucks have won all of three games in Tampa going back to 2014. Wow. But, yeah, they haven't had a... Uh, anything remotely resembling a home field advantage since John Gruden left, which is now almost a decade ago. It's, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know what it is. And it's not even the crowd because the crowds, um, like between 2009 and 2011, I think they were 
um, kind of quiet and disappointing, and not a lot of people there. But the past couple of years, especially since James Winston came to town, the crowds have been fine. You can hear the crowd noise. You can see people get into it. It's not um, it's it's not the world's most frightening stadium to play in for opposing teams, but it's certainly not a friendly environment. So I don't know what what is going on here. It just it just keeps happening. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. They they start off week one on the road at Atlanta, and they won 31-24. to 24. To me, that really wasn't that big a surprise. I wasn't expecting much from the Falcons this year. Yeah, and then, but in hindsight, it looks really good, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks a lot better now, but it's, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, the, the week one is, is such a crazy week of the season because you'll see a lot of what you might consider upsets and some people, uh, you know, perform overperforming, if you will, because they've had this one game to prepare for pretty much the entire uh, preseason uh, and such. And, and, you know, week two is, is, is a more telling week, I think, because then you find out if this team was a week one warrior or were they actually for real were they legit and and so on you know based on their performance and then you go week one against the falcons then you get the cardinals the rams and the broncos you lost all three and um yeah and, and aside from the uh rams game which was rather close um in very convincing fashion do you lose to the cardinals and the uh broncos 40 yeah. to 7 27 to 7 uh in those uh games both of those teams have outstanding defenses was it more of them shutting it down or what was the case in those games i mean it, it was a combination of things as always uh, against the broncos the bucks didn't have that many problems with their offense but then the broncos offense mm-hmm. isn't all that good this season so um that's that's kind of whatever i think um but yeah it's, it's the defense shutting them down it's it's james winston throwing a whole lot of uh, interceptions it's uh, it's a bunch of fumbles uh, basically everything that can go wrong going wrong do you think that the the Bucks would be in the same spot if Lovey was still the coach, or is this like the first year Blues with the new head coach kind of thing? And uh, you know, because they kept Cutter around because of his success with Winston last year, but Winston's throwing interceptions and and turning the football over. Do the do you think you'd be in the same place with Lovey, or is it? Do you think that uh, you know you'd be better off? Um. I mean, that's always really tough to tell. I don't think it would have mattered anything at all for Jameis Winston or the way the offense operates. Um, Mm -hmm. Because Lovie Smith mostly, I mean, not entirely, that coach always says something, but he mostly let Dirk Cutter run the offense anyway. So there's not not a huge difference there. Um, The biggest difference should be on defense. Um, And disappointingly so far, despite a hefty amount of investment and new players, the Bucks defense looks essentially the same as it did last year in terms of performance and in terms of uh, results. Um, some of that is due to injury. The Bucks uh, haven't had a healthy defensive line in any game, and they've had multiple games where they've had, been missing, I think, three starters. Um, yeah, so that's that's obviously not ideal, but uh, the defensive performance uh, has not yielded the improvement the Bucks wanted, which is why part of why they fired Lovey Smith is because his defense was so disappointing um, for, a, for a defensive head coach in year two. Right. I was just looking 29 points a game against good for 29th yeah. in the league. Um, so, yeah, that, that definitely uh, spells quite a bit. Some of that is due to turnovers, obviously. Um, right. I think the Bucks are ranked 25th in turnovers or something in uh, giving the ball away, that is. <clears throat> but still, the defense have, has obviously not not perform well right and only 22 and a half points per game which is good for 18 so middle of the road as far as 
scoring points, but way at the bottom as far as allowing them a, a near seven-point difference in, in what you're averaging, what you're putting in, and what you're giving away uh, in those games. So what, what kind of injuries on the defensive side especially have been playing? I mean, is Gerald McCoy healthy this year? Uh, yeah, Gerald McCoy missed, missed one game, and I think he was limited in another, but um, he's played well outside of that. Um, but it started with, I think the Bucks lost uh, Jaquiz Smith, Jack Smith. I always forget how to pronounce his name. No one, no one seems to know it, even on the coaching staff. Uh, <laughs> um, but they lost him, I think, three snaps into the season or something, and he was their primary pass rush specialist on the edge. Um, Robert Ayers, who was the big-name defensive end they signed, has missed four games. Uh, Clinton McDonald has been out since, I think, week four as a starting defensive tackle. Um, there have been some other minor nicks and bruises. Oh, and they just placed Howard Jones on injured reserve. Howard Jones is another uh, pass rush specialist, though he didn't play that much, so it's not a huge impact. But yeah, all of those injuries, all of the defensive injuries, I think, have been on the defensive line, and there have been a lot of them throughout, which has placed a heavy burden on the secondary because if you can't rush the passer with four, you either have to blitz and play a ton of man, or you have to sit back and get picked apart by good quarterbacks, which... Yeah, neither of those options is any good. Right. So we switch over to the offensive side. And this past Thursday night, uh, Jaquiz Rogers uh, goes down, and and what a what a what a pickup that guy that was for you guys. I mean, he yeah. was he was just going to be a special teamer and ended up not making the team with us here uh, in Chicago. And then he probably came down there to fill the same role because I can almost guarantee you guys did not yeah. sign Jaquiz Rogers to be your starting running back or, you know, no. he was what, maybe number three on the depth chart when he got signed. But here he comes. He's forced into duty because Sims and um, Doug uh, Martin. Thank you very much, Doug Martin. Sorry about that. Um, yes. <laughs> because he because those two guys go down because you have injuries on the offensive side as well. And he's out there cranking out 100 yard uh, games uh, for you guys. Yeah. I mean, I was really happy for him to see that 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 uh, you know he was able to 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 have some kind of success. But of course, this past Thursday night um, against the Falcons, not only him but Jameis Winston ended up leaving the football game with injuries. Do you know what their status is for Sunday? Um, Jaquiz Rogers. Well, I mean, we're still waiting for uh, for today's injury report, which should give us a big update. Um, but he's he's very unlikely uh, uh, unlikely to play. He couldn't go last game. Um, and there is a chance Doug Martin comes back, but the Bucks have been have been saying that he's close to coming back for weeks on end, and it just hasn't happened. So it's really difficult to tell with him. Um, and with Charles Sims on injured reserve since I think week two, <clears throat> the Bucks are now down to uh, their fourth starting running back in Peyton Barber and Mike James. Um. And I feel like I'm forgetting someone, too, because it's been such a mess at that position. Oh, yeah, Anton Smith, um, who is now also on injured reserve after injuring his knee last game. It's um, it's an impressive list of list of injured running backs. But it's difficult to say right. anything definitive about this Sunday. <clears throat> sure, sure, sure. I mean, have you been having any trouble with the offensive line uh, this year with the injuries? Um, no, the offensive line has been almost entirely healthy, um, okay. except for Joe Hawley missing some snaps. But... Um, that's not actually been an issue because um, backup Evan Smith is basically fine stepping in for him. <clears throat> uh, the only issue is that uh, the two tackles have been somewhat disappointing, especially in pass protection. So that's Donovan Smith at left tackle and DeMar Dotson at right tackle. Um, especially uh, 
Donovan Smith has continued to be very inconsistent as he was last year, um, especially against uh, against speed rushers on the edge. He can get beaten really easily, especially inside. He sometimes falls down. I don't know. I don't know what what's up with him, but it's not uh, it's not good. And he definitely got exposed against uh, against the Falcons on Thursday night. That's the biggest issue along the offensive line. But they've actually been really good um, running the ball, which is part of why Jaquiz Rogers could just step in and crank out 100 yard games. And the Bucks didn't even lose much right. when they lost him against the Falcons um, and had to go to number four and number five on the depth chart. Right, you're probably signing guys off the practice squad and looking for guys off the street at the running back position at this point. Constantly, constantly, yeah. yeah. They they just signed Mike James, um, who they'd cut in preseason. <clears throat> so I think they've had, oh yeah, and they just promoted Russell Hansbrough, another underacted rookie. So um, yeah, it's it's an interesting roster. I think they've had eight or nine different running backs on the 53 man roster this season so far. Wow, yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> That's a lot. Um, I mean, luckily, running back is one of those positions where it's a plug and play uh, kind of thing. He doesn't really have to get into the, you know, the the deep, dark corners of the offense in order to be able to perform. It's, you know, we take the ball, you run there and then the the rest is up to you kind of thing. So, I mean, that's a kind of the the bittersweet, the silver lining, if you will, of uh, of having trouble at the running back position is this. You know, if your offensive line performs, which at least that portion of the offense they have, um, yeah. it doesn't really shouldn't matter who you got back there as long as he's healthy and and capable, you might yeah. be able to do some things uh, there. So, um, so aside from the the you know, you guys are three and five. You're only a game behind New Orleans for second place, and the first place team in the division is the Falcons, which had a notorious uh, collapse at the end of, well, pretty much from, they started out 6-1 and one and then finished out the year, what, 7-9 and nine maybe? So they finished 1-8 yeah. and eight after that 6-1 and, and one start last year. Is there any kind of even like hope for optimism with the Bucks, or, or has that gone? Because I think I read an article of yours last week talking about how the Bucks can start focusing on the draft already. I mean, I yeah, it's, I'd say it's gone. I mean, if we look at it, the Bucks are now um, tied for last in the NFC South. Um, they'd have to win, I think. Um, yeah, they're they're three and five now. So um, to get a wild card, they probably need to get to at least nine and seven, and probably ten and six. And even then, they'd have to get lucky with tiebreakers. So basically, they'd have to win every game uh, to get a wild card, which is not going to happen. Um, and they'd have to win almost every game to win the NFC South, which is is also not going to happen. So I I cannot see anything remotely resembling a realistic path to the playoffs. So uh, let's go draft. <laughs> so obviously there won't be any danger in Cutter losing his job this year, do you don't think, do you? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, at some point the Glazers have to get tired of firing people every two years, right? And it's only been one year, so they have to wait another one anyway it's tradition sure 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 well they they fired lovey after two yeah. and and i think you and i talked about this was that one out of the 13 draft choices was a defensive player and they fired him because the defense wasn't up to the snuff it's like well you didn't really do anything for the defense i mean i yeah. know you made some free agent signings and such but you know you didn't really yeah but they were all bugs. right you didn't really <laughs> help out your defensive coach with defensive players you drafted an entire offense but you didn't draft any defensive yeah. Uh, player so I mean it really you know you never can tell I mean it's the NFL and, and Black Monday has turned out to be a crazy crazy holiday 
uh, in the NFL at the end of the yeah. season. So you hear some names fall. Be like, what? Really? That? I mean, and Lovey was one of those people. Like, really? Lovey got fired? That's crazy. So, uh, but but I mean, I I wouldn't be. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Dirk Cutter gets fired this year, unless he like loses the next eight games, because like then he'd have lost ten games in a row, and with a finished, yeah, uh, three and what is that? Three and thirteen? Yeah. Yeah. So um, tough to keep a job then. Sure, sure, sure. Um, these last two games, especially um, the the Raiders and the Falcons, both home games. Um, you know, they kind of came out early on Atlanta and had a lead uh, in that Thursday night game. Uh, but the the Falcons' deep offense ended up being too much there uh, at the end, and yeah. uh, you know the, the the they end up pulling away uh, forty three to twenty eight. The week before with the Raiders, a much closer game, that overtime crazy game, and you know we we talked about it on on Football Is America, where it's just like you know. How did in, how did Tampa Bay lose this game it's, it's when a, I mean I know it, when you look at the stats it it, it kind of makes sense Carr threw 513 yards and four touchdowns but the the Raiders had 23 penalties for 200 yards how does a football team win when you have 200 yards and penalties in one game so I mean what what was the experience like for that game cuz the just watching the highlights and hearing the story of 200 penalty yards against one team was just it just reads insane how was it actually watching it it um yeah that was that was a special special kind of uh experience i would say <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen a game quite like that that was just ridiculous every snap a penalty um yeah the bucks defense could not do much i think they gave up over 600 yards in total and almost 500 in passing but the biggest problem was the bucks offense which it could just it it wasn't going anywhere. It was so ridiculous. Um, if the Bucks had scored, I mean, they had I think three drives uh, where they would have won if they had just gotten a field goal at the end. Three drives, and they all three drives were three and outs, and that was representative of the entire second half and overtime. So that was, and it's especially amazing because the Raiders' defense is actually really bad. That is not a good yeah, defense. It is, <laughs> and the Bucks just couldn't do anything against them at home it was um it was so weird yeah i i still don't know what happened i don't think anyone understands what happened there because i i view the falcons and the raiders as very similar teams one of the things that i've said is is a theme that you're seeing a lot this year is and i know it's the object of the game you have to score more points than your opponent but the raiders (laughs) and the falcons are a team that literally have to do that every single week because they have to outscore what their defense is allowing. Yeah, you know, not so much that you know this is a team that scores a lot of points and yay for them. The Saints are a team like that as well in your division. You know, they had to score forty three because they gave up thirty five. Yeah, you know, kind of those are the kinds of teams that the 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 Raiders and the Falcons uh, tend to be. And and true to form, they gave up twenty four to you guys. And uh, the last week, the Falcons gave up twenty eight and had to score in the thirties and the forties to be able to to beat you guys. Not because your offense is so fantastic, but because their defense is that terrible. Yep. Um, so I mean, it's just um, you know, you anyone has a shot against these teams so long as their defense figures out a way to stop them. Unfortunately, you guys are shorthanded on the defensive side. Uh, yeah, that's part of it, and uh, the offense has been so inconsistent in in putting up points too. Like they've had a couple of good games, and then they'll have a bunch where they they just can't move the ball. And uh, yeah, it's just frustrating watching this team uh, this season. But 
that's not new for Bucks fans. So we'll deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, unfortunately, it's something that we as Bear fans are starting to grow used to as well. This, uh, you know, looking forward to the 2017 draft nine weeks into the 2016 season. It's uh, it's not a fun thing to always have to uh, go through. But um, one thing that I did definitely want to ask you about is that kicker. You guys trade up into the second round to to draft him. Yeah. And at least in this in this first year, in this rookie season, he's been a huge disappointment, at least at the very least, not been able to be yeah. there when you need him. Um, yeah, I think when we drafted him, I called it the worst decision in the entire draft. Um, not just because they drafted him in the second round, but they traded up to draft him. And what they gave up to trade for him was also too much for uh, for the position they got back. Um, and yeah, it's been disappointing, but I did not expect him to be this bad. Um, I don't think anyone did because, um, while it was a really high pick, he was also a pretty good kicker in college. Like he actually hit all of his kicks under 40 yards over his college career. That's fairly impressive. And he missed some, especially the last year over 40 yards, um, which was a little concerning, but I did not expect him to completely collapse and just like start missing i think he's now missing one in three kicks or something if we count extra points and half if we only look at field goals which is just as ridiculous for any nfl kicker let alone a highly drafted one so what are his actual stats right now because i didn't realize it was it was that bad i mean i know he started off poorly in the preseason but uh you know what are his numbers actually like uh that is a really good question let me see if i have them here yeah, he's hit. Um, he's missed five of his twelve field goals, and he's missed two of his uh, seventeen extra points. Wow. Yeah, that's. Yeah, so that's uh, the seven misses on uh, twenty nine attempts. Yeah, slightly better than I just said, but um, still not very good. Yeah. No. And all, but and almost none of those, and almost none of those attempts are long range. I think maybe one of them is, and I think that one actually went through. So. <laughs> Yeah. And this is a guy that because you drafted high in the in the mid second round or you drafted or traded up into the second round to get him is not exactly something that Buck fans wouldn't notice if you were to cut him after this first season. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean if Jason Light can't cut him. He has to give him more rope cuz like that's just um um destruction of capital, I guess, if you cut him now. <laughs> well, I mean that would be like if 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 Sebastian Janikowski didn't work out for the Raiders and they got rid of him after the first year. It's like, well, you just cut our first-round pick yeah. uh, after one season. I mean, that's unprecedented. So, yeah, the, the Bucks are kind of painted themselves in a corner trading up to, to get this kid in the second yep. round. And, I mean, they, they're, still, they're still hopeful he, um, he makes it. Um, and, and they hope it's, it's kind of a mix between mental issues and him adjusting his mechanics, and he'll get over it. But, um, and thankfully for them, which gives him a bit of respite, is he hit – a single game-winning field goal, the only game-winning field goal attempt he's had. That one was accurate. Against the Panthers, yeah, right? Uh, in the last second. So uh, that gave that gave them some room and that gave them some some time to, to figure things out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert on kicking mechanics or anything, but it, it kind of looks funky the way he kicks the ball. It's interesting. <laughs> Another part of, uh, of the Bucks this season. A typical part, I'd say. 
Right, I guess, you know, bringing some incitement to an otherwise boring facet of the game, I suppose, just to, <laughs> you know, you're always on your toes even for a routine extra point. It's like, oh, God, is this going to end up costing us the game? Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't He didn't do anything to cost you the game in that Raider game, did he? Um, I think he missed a field goal, but then Janikowski missed 2-2, two, two, so. Right. Kind of even that. Kind of, uh, yeah, washed each other out there, so. Uh, looking forward to this to the second half of the season. You got the Bears this Sunday. You're at the Chiefs, home for the Seahawks, at the Chargers. So that's the third quarter of the season for you. And then you finish up. Oh wow, you have the Saints almost basically two yep. weeks in a row. You got home for the Saints, at the Cowboys, at the Saints, and then home for the Panthers. Panthers. So, so you're already done with the Falcons. So you got both matchups with the Saints and the Panthers to finish up. Yeah. That would have been a really nice series to like win three games and and uh, take over the division, but that seems somewhat unlikely at this point. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and your your last eight games are split right down the middle, four on the road and and four at home. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the superheroes that you appear to be on the road, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult to perform that. Uh, you know, you're not like a team who's got five out of the last eight on the road. You're you're even uh, right down the middle, but. You know, what kind of, I mean, because you got the Chiefs and the Chargers. So, you, I mean, the Chiefs isn't that big a trip, but you got to go cross country to San Diego. You got basically back to back games against the Saints there. And, and there, I give you about the same chances you had with the Raiders and the Falcons. If the defense could put something together for a game, yeah. you, you could pull one of those. You could pull one of those games against the Saints off uh, there. You know, what kind of outlook do you have for the last half of the season? Um, I, I think we'll see more of the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I can see three or four wins there, maybe five if they're lucky and then they get to an eight and eight record, but then they have to get pretty lucky. I mean, none of those games are always are the kind of game where you say there is no way they'll win this, but none of them are easy wins either, right. especially with this team. So, I mean, even, even against the bears this Sunday, right? Cause who knows, maybe the bears from last Monday show up. You know, and that's the thing. I can't come out and unabashedly say, well, the bears are going to, you know, ragged all the Buccaneers all over the field on Sunday because the team that got uh, the team that got handled on Thursday night against the Packers could be the one that shows yeah. up or you know we can go out there and be the world champions and for one day and beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings because yeah. uh, one thing that I mentioned when I did my review show of that Minnesota game was that if you were a layman and I sat you down in front of that game on Monday and told you one of these teams is five and one and in front in first place in their division, the other team is one and six and scraping the bottom of the power rankings, who would you have thought those teams were in that football game? You would have thought the Bears were the first place team and Minnesota was the yeah. last place team, not the other way yeah. around. So I mean, who knows how that's going to shape out? So. Yeah, and I mean, this is the NFL, and weird things happen. Um, it, it's entirely possible that James Winston suddenly turns it on and starts throwing the ball all over the field, and uh, Mike Evans starts racking up 200-yard games instead of 100-yard games. And then the Bucks could win a bunch of games. It's possible. I've seen weirder things. It is the NFL, and you know, it's been following this bizarro trend uh, this year where you know, a, you know, two rookies in Prescott and uh, Elliott kind of rule the NFL at this point, and, and Brady is hate-winning all of these games because he's pissed at Goodell, and there's no team that's going to oppose the Patriots this season, and, and everybody else is 4-4 four and four 
it would appear. So I mean, everyone else is kind of stuck in the in the middle with these with these records, yeah. while uh, you know the cream has risen to the top, so to speak. So anything definitely could happen. There's still a lot of football left to be played. Yeah. All right. So Sandra, I think that's yeah. going to do it for us. I really appreciate you being uh, on the show, and uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, if our teams manage to stay in the same spot, we'll get to talk again <laughs> next year because uh, it'll be another same place opponent. Actually, we play the AFC NFC South next year, so we're going to play oh, you guys yeah. again, no matter what. So awesome. we're we're going to be able to have Sandra Phillips <laughs> back on in 2017. How about that? Okay. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah. For helping us out, Sandra. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. And thanks for having me. All right. As always, want to thank our guest, Sander Phillips, for joining us and uh, look forward to talking to him again next season uh, as the Bears take on the NFC South as their out-of-division opponent on the NFC side of things in 2017. So we'll be having him back on the show again uh, next season. So, you know, this this game, I'm, I'm excited about this game simply because it's a great opportunity for the Bears to pick up where they left off. Like, this is an absolutely perfect opponent for them to be facing coming out of this team, coming out of this thing, especially since we're on the road. This is a team that has yet to win a game at home. And and you heard me ask him. It was rather sarcastic, but I, what do the Bucks have against winning a football game in Tampa Bay? They haven't done it this year. And he says since 2014 they've only won three games in Tampa Bay. That's... I mean, we know as Bear fans watching our team lose at home, that's that's something the Bears seem to specialize in over the last three years or so. But, um, you know, th- they struggle to win football games at home. Their defense is horrendous, 29th in the league, giving up 29 points a game. This is setting itself up so that the Bears' offense can really use this as an opportunity to put some points on the board and score their highest point total of the year. Right now it's sitting at 23 and a loss to Indianapolis. Our highest point total in a victory was the 20 that we just scored uh, on Minnesota. So, you know, defense isn't that bad as far as allowing points, but the offense, um, you know, being one of the worst in the league as far as points per game is the, you know, obviously the reason that the Bears are 2-6 and six, uh, at this point. But, you know, the... They they struggle in in getting after the passer. You heard them list all the people that have that as pass rushers have gone down with injuries uh, this season. The secondary isn't very strong. It could be a big game for Jay Cutler lighting things up. Also, could be a great game for Jordan Howard and the rest of the running backs. Jeremy Langford uh, came back against Minnesota. He is now two weeks healthier than he was, not just fresh off the injury list, but he's got two weeks of healing and rest uh, to, that has been done, and maybe he can have more of an impact uh, going forward. You know, just because Jordan Howard's the starter doesn't mean he's no longer on the team. Uh, you know what I mean? So maybe we see a bigger role from uh, uh, Jeremy Langford uh this week since i think that just based on what i've seen from those two guys so far i think langford is the better pass catcher out of the uh backfield because he was actually like that's one of the reasons we were so excited about langford after last year was that he was just as good a pass catcher out of the backfield as matt forte was so yeah 
maybe he's not as special as Matt Forte is yet, but all the tools are there. He runs harder than Forte. He's got better vision in running than Matt Forte does, and he's just as good a pass catcher out of the backfield. You know, string a, string along, uh, you know, a season or two, we could have something special uh, in this kid. But he came off with a slow start at the beginning of the season. Then he got himself injured uh, either in the Philly game or the Dallas game, one of the two, and he's been gone ever since. And meanwhile, Jordan Howard has been exploiting that uh, that opportunity and, uh, you know, three 100-yard games and, and five starts for him. Uh, he's been fantastic. So, Hopefully this could be a game that we get our running backs all into the mix. And on the defensive side, you know, we got to protect our defense. We got to be solid against the run because this is, uh, for at least this season, has been a plug-and-play running game uh, for the Bucks. Anyone that's really, you know, had a chance to run the football for, for Tampa Bay has done well. Uh, Doug Martin, the beginning of the season, uh, uh, Sims, their backup running back, and even Jaquiz Rogers, who was not signed on that team to be a starting running back, but had, was kind of forced into duty and really was very solid. He had over 100 yards and I think about two or three different starts before he got injured this past Thursday, um, or I think maybe it was even before that, against the Raiders. Um, so it so we'll just see you know the offensive line is the one of the units that's been reliable as far as being healthy and everything so it's um one that uh, has done well as far as running the football but you heard him talk about the tackles especially are weak points uh in the passing game so maybe this is a game we can get after Jameis winston and uh force him to get some turnover because that was really the only thing missing from that win against minnesota on monday night was the lack of turnovers and in the in in the scheme of things it turned out in my eyes to be a positive for one reason the one reason was so that no one could take anything away from the bears as far as them winning that football game nobody could point to it and say well minnesota probably would have won the game had they not turned the ball over four times or this that and the other there were no turnovers on either side no special teams moments you know no punt returns or anything like that it was straight up man on man head to head the bears were just better than minnesota but that really was kind of the only thing missing from that victory against Minnesota on Monday night was kind of that punctuation or that dagger, that turnover uh, that would have you know killed momentum or just taken the game away or put the game away uh, for the Bears uh, on this past Monday night. And uh, the last time that we faced uh, Jameis Winston, we got a few turnovers. Uh, out of those guys so it was just that that game just right after uh christmas i think week 16 was when we ended up playing the the bucks last year and uh you know big victory for the bears on the road uh last season so but we got i think three turnovers maybe four out of the bucks last year it was a big component to us winning that football game last year and i think that if the bears can can get after Winston the way that other teams have been able to. We get some sacks on him. He's very mobile in the pocket, so just get him nervous, get him moving, get him trying to force something down the field. I think we can do something uh, very special against the Bucks on Sunday and get things rolling. And and I think it's important that the Bears play well. Um, you know, I, I believe that they will win. I will be picking the Bears to win one of the few times I can actually say that uh, this season. But I do believe that the Bears can win. And why it's important to get that victory this week is that we go on the road against a better team in a tougher environment next Sunday uh, against the Giants. So this this game, we need to use this opportunity against the team that's struggling right now as an opportunity to, to be a confidence builder 
to go into the Giants stadium next week and, and beat a better football team. Oh, an inconsistent team, but a much better one than the one that we're going to be playing on Sunday in Tampa Bay. So that's what I think the Bears need to be doing. And on the defensive side, one last thing. The one target that uh, Jameis Winston has had a lot of success hooking up with is um, Mike Evans. That's a guy that the Bears really, really need to keep an eye on uh, in the passing game on Sunday. That's somebody that they really need to uh, to watch. But uh, I believe Evans is hurting. Jameis Winston is hurting. So this is a team that's severely banged up right now, which is why I'm saying this is a wonderful opportunity for the Bears to kind of go out, put their foot down on somebody's throat, and build some confidence for themselves to go in to this uh, second half of the schedule, going into a tougher road test next week uh, against the Giants. Now, I don't want them looking past the Buccaneers. I don't want to get them caught with their pants down looking at the Giants uh, next week. I, you know, I don't think this is a trap game for the Bears at all. When you're 2-6, and six, you don't have the luxury of playing a trap game. But... You know, and I don't think that the Bears-Giants rivalry is so intense that the Bears are looking past the Buccaneers to get to them. I'm just saying I think the Bears should and can and should win in the same fashion that they did against Minnesota. They really should be uh, dominant against the Bucs on Sunday. I really do uh, believe that. Can Tampa Bay win this game? Absolutely. They're at home. They've they've had, you know, 10 days rest because they were – you know, on a Thursday night game uh, to start off week nine. So they've had a little bit of an extended rest. They've got their running back, Doug Martin, practicing. So maybe he's going to be back, that kind of thing. So it's it's poised that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay could finally, you know, and one, something's got to give, you know, with Tampa Bay. They, they have, they've won three games over the last three years as, at home, and they haven't won a game yet at home. I'm sure we're going to hear that a few times uh, from the announced team on Sunday, you know, are the Bears going to be able to to get that uh, to get that first road win of the season? Something they did five times last year. They won five road games last year. Only won one home game. You know, we haven't won on the road yet uh, this season. Is that something that we'll be able to do this Sunday? You know, it's it's going to like I said, something's got to give. The Bears are going to get their first road win of the season, or Tampa Bay is going to get their first road win. You know. Not to be biased or anything, but I'm putting my money on the Bears to come away with the victory on Sunday. So that is going to do it for the Week 10 preview of the Chicago Bears review. And I just want to just want to say something that um, kind of made me uh, a little sad the other day <laughs> was that now that the Cubs and their long-suffering 108-year uh, drought is over, do you know who has become now the uh, – Longest suffering fan base in the city of Chicago? You guessed it, Bear fans, because nobody's gone longer than the Bears in Chicago without a championship now that the Cubs have finally won theirs. It's been 31 years since the Bears hoisted the Lombardi Trophy in New Orleans in the Superdome on the 26th of January, 1986. So 31 seasons, I should say. But, um, you know, now we're the longest suffering fan base in the city. Uh, by a bit too, 85 for the Bears. The last championship for the Bulls, who are in second place now, was uh, Jordan's last season in 1998, the 97-98 season where they beat the Jazz in six for the second straight uh, year. So I mean, after that's the, I believe it's the White Sox, and then of course the Blackhawks keep winning championships, so the clock keeps getting reset on them, and then the Cubs finally sitting at zero for a change. So. Uh, 30 years, the Bears, 31 years and uh, and counting 
for our beloved Chicago Bears. How long will it be before we finally get to celebrate that? And will I still be doing this goddamn show when it happens? Because ever since I started, I started in 07, the year after they went to the Super Bowl. We've had one stinking playoff appearance. Uh, we did get a victory. I got to talk about the NFC Championship. Almost went to the Super Bowl in 2010, but uh, haven't been close to a playoff berth since then. So, well, 2012 we were, but still. We lost and Lovey got fired, and we all know what happened then. We we hired Arians instead of Tressman, and it's all been downhill since then. So, anywho, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, be sure and, and check. Uh, come back on uh, Monday when we review this game between the Bears and the Bucks. Hopefully it'll be another victory Monday for us. And uh, be sure to check us out on Football is America, myself and Ron Rugg, Kyle Frank, uh, and company. We like to have guests and someone like this on the show from time to time. And uh, we also like to talk about various things across the NFL, not just, you know, Bears and Colts, which is where our allegiances lie among the three of us. So uh, be sure to check those out. You can find it on footballsamerica.com or on iTunes um, going forward. So anyway, that is going to do it. We'll see you again on Monday. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.